0: Hey, good morning, Saints at Advent. Uh, Good to see you here today. Today is the uh, sixth Sunday after Easter, uh, Regatta uh, Sunday. Um, So, boy, let's see what to fill you in before we get started with uh, announcements. Um, Next Sunday, May 24th, is when we open the doors of Advent. So if you haven't already, uh, go online to our website, Uh, We are limiting uh, three services to 100 people. So 8.15 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 10.45 a.m. And uh, when you come into the church, I'll try and put a video out this week to show you what we're doing, but certain every other pew is basically taped off. And then the center, you know, six feet in the middle of the long pews is also taped off. Uh, So basically when you come in, you can sit anywhere that there's not blue tape. On the seat or on the back, so uh, we've got plenty of space. We could actually seat up to 150 uh, using eight feet separation. So at six feet, uh, we're going to be there'll be plenty of space, uh, you know, uh, for you and for your family as well. So um, hoping that you're able uh, and willing to come back to church. If you're choosing uh, to stay at home, we certainly understand that you are free in the gospel. We will continue to stream our services. And on that note, we have been very busy. Much thanks to Ryan Scroggum and Matthias uh, McKay. Um, they have worked tirelessly this week. I told Ryan that uh, we should probably ordain him with as much time as he spent at church this week. That's a joke, uh, but uh, he was here pretty much all day Thursday, all day Friday, and all day Saturday. We have new cameras now installed, so hopefully this morning when you watch the service, you notice the difference uh, with uh, the clarity uh, and and all of that and so we're going to continue to work on that uh, but we will continue to uh, to live stream our services thanks to our anonymous donors that uh, helped uh, make uh, that uh, possible uh, that was a, a, a very uh, large and important purchase with cameras but we also have a new camera here in the fellowship hall we're not using it just yet today uh, we got a few more things to work out and we have a camera in the library so we'll be able to start uh, recording and streaming bible classes and that sort of thing so we're getting there. Be patient with us. Uh, it's been very busy. Uh, keep all the leaders uh, in uh, of the church in your prayers as well. This is the end of our fiscal year, so they are planning the budget for next year. And if you've ever served in uh, church leadership, uh, you know how stressful that is. A lot of extra time. Uh, pray for our president, vice president, uh, treasurer, uh, secretary. Uh, you know all the board chairs, head elder. Um, so as of right now um we will be having a voters meeting uh in june that information will be coming out to you here shortly uh, so we will be under the you know state recommendation we'll practice social distancing here in the fellowship hall if we need to move in this in the sanctuary to do that we can certainly do that but uh we're also working on with the voters meeting for those that are still sheltering in place we'll live stream it uh we'll have to take a vote at the beginning of the meeting uh, to allow for people to vote, you know, by text or by email. We're still working through some of that, uh, but many churches have had to deal with that as well. Okay, what else to tell you? Uh, this next week, uh, our preschoolers are, are driving through to pick up all their bags and supplies, so Wednesday and Thursday this week is kind of busy here at Advent, um, and uh, we'll also have a end-of-the-year chapel service, uh, that we'll stream Wednesday morning uh, with uh, our teachers. Uh, there online as well, okay? So pretty cool. School year has come to the close already, has come to a close for uh, some folks. Uh, others are still in. Um, a shout out to all of our seniors, high school seniors, as well as our uh, college seniors. Uh, we're going to recognize you here. Pastor Grady's working on a, on a plan to do some of that, but just know that you're in our thoughts and in our prayers. Uh, crazy year, but uh, God is still good. So Any other announcements I'm missing? If you have any questions, go ahead and send those in on live chat. Have a question. All right. Oh, do we have an update on the new bulletin covers? I do not have uh, any information to share with you on that. Um, I will check. Yeah, I don't have anything new. Um, we were trying to order those in bulk. Um, I'm not in charge of ordering those. The, the pictures have all been taken, and that information uh, uh, was submitted, and they were, were trying to get a, a bulk discount. I think that, in, in terms of the office, kind of got put on hold here with the COVID thing, but um, hopefully we'll have the new bulletin covers uh, soon. So uh, there's one person involved in that. If you're watching, you heard the question. It didn't come from me. So we'll see if we can get that done, okay? They said they missed what? Oh, yep, missing the explanation of the stained glass, yep. So we'll we'll work on that. Keep in mind for a while, the format we have, we'll probably be printing this off at least for the next three weeks. So hopefully by June 14th, we'll be back to kind of the regular, uh, you know, bulletin. So another question? Oh yes, I sure can. End of the year, Sunday school celebration. There is a Zoom meeting. Let's see if I get my dates correct. I'm doing this off the top of my head. Sunday, that's next Sunday, which is May 24th at 1.30 p.m. Did I get that right? And there is a, a Zoom meeting with all the Sunday schoolers and the teachers, um, and they're going to be handing out some awards and that sort of thing. Uh, reply back if I got that correct, okay? Um, so we'll get all that information out. Do what? Okay, if you are a Sunday school family and you did not get an email, um, then contact Amanda Probst or contact the church office and we'll get that information to you for the Zoom meeting, okay? So hope to see all your faces at that meeting. We miss miss our children and our youth, miss seeing you. So any other questions? Nothing. I got it right. (laughs) That's good to know. I get some things right every now and then. Okay. Okay, if there aren't any other questions, we're going to go ahead and begin our Bible class for today. Uh, The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, the giver of all that is good, by your holy inspiration, grant that we may think those things that are right, and by your merciful guiding, accomplish them. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We are uh, continuing our study of the Saving Truth, Doctrine for Lay People. Uh, by Reverend Kurt E. Morquart, who now uh, is asleep in Jesus, rests from his labors, uh, and is looking forward to the resurrection. Uh, In the book, we're on page 147. Uh, We are in chapter 8, One Holy Church on Earth and and in Heaven. Page 147, this is the first full paragraph, which begins, Scripture tells us. Scripture tells us very little about what eternal life will be like. None of those raised from the dead by our Lord, Jairus' daughter, uh, the young man of Nain, uh, or Lazarus, gave interviews about what they had experienced. Okay. Um, so I've had some great emails from some of you as members this last week as we've talked about the now and the not yet, about heaven being the presence of God. Heaven as well being um, you know, <laughs> the resurrection uh, of what Jesus now is going to create the new heavens and the new earth. Um, and we don't have a lot of detail. We, we want detail, but scripture just doesn't give a lot of that. But even those who who have died and, and gone to be uh, you know Abraham's bosom at our Lord's side in heaven with the saints, they don't talk about it, which is really interesting. okay. So you need to be very careful with these books like Heaven is for real. And I've got a whole bunch of background on that story. So if you're, if you're caught up in some of that, come talk to me. I'll give you some more details. Okay. Uh, even St. Paul, who was, quote, caught up into heaven and paradise, rep- reported only that he heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. And that's from 2 Corinthians 12, verse 4. So really, Mark Ward asked, should we expect anything else? Our language, derived from earthly experience, simply lacks the capacity to express the grandeur of the world to come. And I also say that, that our, our sinful minds lack the ability to completely understand and process that. Okay? Scripture, therefore, describes it only in pictures and images, like the vivid, vivid scenery in the book of Revelation. We have to do the same sort of thing when trying to explain, say, marriage to a three-year-old. <laughs> have you ever tried that one? <laughs> I was on a Zoom call, uh, oh, it was just a week or two weeks ago with uh, some of my family and one of my, my my younger sister who's got some young children at home. Uh, there was a some sort of comment that, that came, it might have been for Mother's Day, um, about uh, you know, uh, explaining marriage, and I asked her if she wanted me to explain uh, marriage and the procreation of children to her children, and she said, no thanks. <laughs> I mean, how do you explain that to a three-year-old, right? Uh, mom and dad, husband and wife, marriage obviously is so much more uh, than that. Or, Marquardt writes, try explaining nuclear physics to members of an illiterate Bush tribe, Okay. Luther showed the way when he wrote his little four-year-old Hans about a beautiful garden with children in golden frocks gathering up rosy apples, pears, cherries, and plums, playing with ponies that had golden bridles and silver saddles. And so from childhood, Christians need to learn that we will find eternal life infinitely more satisfying and exciting than the most intense pleasures that this dull, sin-sick earth can offer. Let me repeat that. Okay. We need to learn that eternal life will be more satisfying and exciting than the most intense pleasures that this dull, sin-sick earth can offer. Okay. Um, so oftentimes when we think of heaven, uh, and I, I, I've, I've mentioned before, and my wife and I have, have talked about this, it's hard for us to grasp how heaven sometimes will be better than here. Um, you know when when your marriage is going well and you're getting along i mean that's like the best of things right life is is almost perfect now obviously when things are difficult then you you don't want so much to do with that but but what's heaven going to be like then and heaven's going to be more than all that, and we can't grasp that we can't grasp uh you know what it means that we're we're going to love each other fully uh that that uh, you know uh, we will be fully known. Uh, we are already fully known to Christ, but we'll be fully known even to each other. It, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't compute. Okay. So, in cinematic terms, the resurrection life in the new heaven and new earth will resemble a multi-dimensional technicolor extravaganza as compared with the silent and flitting black and white shadows of our present existence. When I was at seminary, I was privileged to uh, learn uh, Koine Greek, uh, new Testament Greek from Dr. James Veltz, who actually wrote a textbook on on teaching Greek. I'd like to tell you that I was one of his star pupils. I wasn't. Uh, it, it was it was a completely new thing for me, um, you know. And I and I have a very basic working language, uh, working uh, relationship with both Greek and Hebrew. But Dr. Veltz, when when he started our summer Greek class, he said, "Gentlemen, he goes, the way you've been reading the Bible is, is like watching." a sporting event on a little 13-inch black and white TV. Okay? Um, and he said after you learn now to translate, you know, scripture, you dive into the original language, it's going to be like you're on the 50-yard line, right? One or two rows back off the field. And not only are you going to be right there and see the players' faces and see all that, you know, you're you're going to have jumbotrons, and you're going to have your phone. You're gonna you're going to have the whole experience, the sounds of the crowd, and 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 he was right. I mean, when you get in and explain scripture, oh my goodness, when you get in the original languages, so much more than what our translations into English or whatever language you speak uh, will do. And how much more will heaven be like that for us, right? So in this life, it's like we're looking on a little 13 inch black and white TV which is all I grew up with. We didn't get a, a nice color TV until I was a freshman in high school. Uh, we were kind of behind the times. Um, and, and that was just a whole nother experience. Okay. I remember we watched The Tonight Show uh, in, <laughs> in color, and it was, wow, this is, this is huge. That was like 1988, I think, uh, the, the Christmas of 1988. Okay. All right, let's move on here with, with Marquardt. Any questions? Okay. So delivered from the faithless specter of a funless heaven, we shall be convinced with St. Paul that, quote, and read it with me, our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Okay? One more time. Our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And of course, that's how we want to compare everything. We want to compare ourselves to our neighbor. Who has the nicer house? Who has the nicer car? Who has the nicer clothes? Who's the better athlete? Who's the better employee? I mean, yada, 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 right? And so we do that with this life in heaven. And one, that's sinful. We, we need we need to repent of that. And we simply need to trust God's word. Here also, Marquardt continues, modern Christians find the strength and the courage to sacrifice sacrifice all else for the pearl of great price. So, how important is God's word to you? Are His promises to you? What, you know, how do how does that shape how you live your life now? You know, uh, we had a, a epistle text for today from James chapter one that talks about not just being hearers of the word, but also being doers of the word, right? Because faith without works, Scripture says is dead. Good works are always going to follow faith. And we're also to exhort uh, and admonish one another, you know, to good works, okay? Um, So, it's not that we, okay, we're justified by faith and forget about how we live our life or about doing good works. It's exactly opposite, okay? We don't do good works in order to be justified. You know, Christ has taken care of that. Faith grabs a hold of that gift, but our neighbor needs our good works, Okay? And God has has created us for that very good purpose. Okay? So, here also, modern Christians find the strength and courage to sacrifice all else for the pearl of great price and to hold in contempt the gaudy allurements of the world, the devil, and the flesh. And this is where we talk about, you know, first commandment. We talk about idolatry. You shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. So, when I Counsel people pastorally. One of the three questions I like to ask is, "What is it you're afraid of right now?" It's a first commandment question. Okay, what is it you're afraid of? Okay, um, what is it that you love? What are the things that you find yourself grabbing a hold of right now at this stage in your life? You know, and three, what or who do you trust? Usually, working through those questions will, uh, you know, help you identify an idol or idols that you may have in your life? Because if the answer isn't God to all three of those, and of course we know that while we're saints, we're also sinners, so we're all going to fall into this trap, that helps us identify and then repent, and now with God's help and the Holy Spirit, His sanctifying work, you know, we can, (laughs) you know, overcome those things with God's help, okay? The more genuinely we believe this, the more our church services too will reflect eternity's disturbing grandeur instead of the cozy clubbiness that accompanies secular self-indulgence. Okay. So while I'm I'm glad that we've got cameras and you can you can watch the service and you can view all that at home. I also rec- I mean there's also a part of me that's uncomfortable with that. Why? Heaven is open in the divine service. How can a, a camera and a video system ever fully do justice? To the saints of God gathering together, and to heaven being opened in this way. Okay, so on the one hand, there's there's the the reverence uh, and and the beauty of that that no television camera, software, you name it, lower thirds that will ever pick up. Okay, um, and it shouldn't because it's otherworldly. Same thing with the with the Lord's body and blood. Uh, which is why we've continued to practice, you know, communion. There's some states that that have have not only limited uh, communion, have mandated, you know, ways you can have it and not have it. And uh, I have some brother pastors in various states and and around the world that uh, have simply said, we're going to continue to do what Christ says. We're going to try and be safe about it. Yeah, but Christ's word, you know, trumps any of that. The other thing is how much fear do we fall into? Right, and I wrestle with that too, and I'm sure you've wrestled with that. Right, I'm over 65, or you know, I've I've got uh, you know health issues and that sort of thing. Um, you know, and let your conscience be your guide. Know that Christ has freed you, but I think there's also a fair question to ask: How important is God's word and His gifts to us? Because what the devil, the world, and our sinful nature always wants to do is to keep us from being in the word. Okay. And remember that church literally means fellowship and gathering together, <laughs> and you can't really do that online. I mean, it is—it's kind of a gathering, but it's not, you know, the physical gathering of God's people. All right, uh, you know, I think often of the early church under threat of of, of persecution, of crucifixion, of of burning, of beheading. Um, how important it was for them to still try and meet together, uh, and and they did that, you know, with, uh, well. They did that knowing that their lives, you know, uh, that they could die. So, you know, we're, we're still working through this whole COVID-19 thing, and, and don't don't read into too much what I'm saying, but there's certainly uh, something to think of when we talk about how important is our faith and God's gifts and how do we do that, okay? So we've been trying to kind of walk that line, which is always a difficult thing to do. That's enough about that. I'm getting way off topic. Back to Marquardt here we go. The more genuinely we believe this, the more our church services too will reflect eternity's disturbing grandeur instead of the cozy clubbiness that accompanies secular self-indulgence, right? Uh, So keep in mind when you plan your funeral service, it's not your funeral service. It's a public worship service. Same thing for your wedding. It's not your wedding. Okay, a worship service in the church is a public worship service. It's taking place in the sight of God. Now, are there some hymns and songs you can pick and stuff like that? Of course there are, okay? Uh, But we need to get away from this kind of self-indulgence of this is what I want, okay? And sometimes we apply that, well, this is how I think, you know, things should go. Uh, Okay, you see what Marquardt is picking up. Uh, For eternity, next page, top of 148, for eternity, taken seriously is, of course, disturbing, So eternity is disturbing, right? As I've shared with you that my wife and I have talked about, eternity is disturbing. Why? Because we will no longer be married in heaven. How do you wrap your head around that? Now, to be fair, there's probably some things that I do from time to time where she's probably glad about that, (laughs) right? Where it's like, yeah, that's probably a good thing. Uh, But then there's other times where, what? You know, I mean she's my lobster. He's my lobster. We're, 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 you know, we're for life, for eternity. And so when God says that there's no marriage in heaven, we're like, what? How's that going to work? And then we get all, well, I don't know if I really want to go to heaven then. Okay. Or we play that card with other things. Life is so good right now. I, I don't, I don't want to die. Or we say things like, well, he or she was cut down in the, in the prime of their life. Things were going so well. You know, look at how good it was. You know, he or she was just getting ready to retire. And they just paid off their house. And, or, I mean, whatever. You know, and eternity is so much more. And as sinners, we simply cannot grasp it. Okay? So eternity in that way is kind of disturbing for us because it's a whole different reality that we can't comprehend. So, what an awesome weight of responsibility, Marquardt continues. What an awesome weight of responsibility rests upon our earthly life, if this single, unrepeatable stretch of existence within space and time leads necessarily to one of only two possible outcomes. Okay, so when you die, and uh, you know Jesus's parable of the rich man and Lazarus spells this out quite clear, as well as a few other passages of Scripture. When you die, uh, you go to either heaven or hell. Okay, there's no in between. There's no purgatory okay? Uh, Saints rest from their labors with Christ, Abraham's bosom, or, you know, punishment. Now, both those then wait for still the resurrection of all flesh, where the dead in Christ will rise first, and then all people, judgment then in the air, separation of sheep and goats, believers and unbelievers. We had a question come in. What does Paul say about not getting married? He says that you can certainly be single as long as you can remain chaste, Okay, Um, what does chaste mean? (laughs) Do I need to explain the marriage thing again? Okay, Uh, you know, the marriage bed should be kept pure. Okay, not only in advance if you're going to be married, okay, sometime down the road, uh, but you should be chaste. There should not only be, there should be no sexual activity prior to marriage. That's contrary to God's will, okay? Um, You need to be able to control the temptations, you know, of the flesh, uh, that sort of thing. So it's okay to not be married. I had a great aunt. Her name was Ada, A-D-A. And she was like another grandmother to me. Um, wonderful, godly woman. Uh, sh- and, and you know, um, I, I only knew her when she was older. <laughs> so, you know, you don't really look at older people and say, oh, you know, she's kind of pretty. I mean, she was, you know, took care of herself. Uh, I, I was told that, that she, was, she was very attractive when she was younger. She had a lot of suitors, but she just never wanted to get married, uh, remained chaste, uh, and uh, you know, died never having been married. Okay? Every Mother's Day, uh, we always called her, sent her a card, or went to visit her if we could. She lived in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, and so quite often, uh, during my middle years of my life, we would go to Springfield for Mother's Day to see my grandma and Aunt Ada. We'd take them both out. And we would wish Aunt Ada a happy Mother's Day. She was never a mother, never had children. Why do we do that? You know the reason. Okay. Now, never married, um, and so uh, Paul says yes. You, you, don't, you don't have to be married. It's not a law. Okay, um, so, so marriage, remember, according to Scripture, is for two things. Number one, it's for the procreation of children. So if you're getting married or preparing to get married and thinking, well, I don't know if we really want kids, that's sinful. Why? God says marriage is for the procreation of children. Okay, Now, might you have physical issues that prevent you from having children? Yes. But if marriage is for the procreation of children, as God says, and you were to say, I don't want any kids, I think we have to say, okay, <laughs> who's who's in charge? Is, is it God or is it me and my personal desires and opinions? Okay. I know some of you aren't going to like that I said that, but I'm just going to take you to Scripture on that. Okay. The other thing with Scripture number two is, you ready for this? That Husband and wife may find delight in one another. This is the help meet, uh, that you've got somebody there not only to assist, but to become one flesh. So there is both physical intimacy, there is emotional intimacy, um, and there is a connection there. Okay? Um, So my wife is my best friend. understand what I'm saying. I have a lot of good friends. Okay? I have a lot of good friends. But I talk to her more... about things than I do any other people now what happens when we're at odds with each other it creates a big hole absolutely creates a big hole for her and for me because I I would I would dare say that I probably function the same way to her okay Um, so okay any other questions follow up on the marriage side of things nope okay let's move on here with Marquardt Uh, Let's see, let me read that last sentence again. What an awesome weight of responsibility rests upon our earthly life if the single, unrepeatable stretch of existence within space and times leads necessarily to one and only two possible outcomes, either the internal enjoyment of God, or else deprivation and punishment without end. Yet that is precisely our situation. And read Matthew 25, and you'll hear about that uh, casting, the weeping, the gnashing. Today, there are cheap substitutes or alternatives to the sober and uh, sobering teaching of Holy Scripture. Especially popular among these loom the various forms of occultism. For instance, there is the idea of reincarnation, which reduces the value of each life by inventing truly inflationary numbers of still more lives to come, right? Well, if I don't get it right this time, I'll just get it right the next time, okay? Um, And this would even, well, yeah, let me just move on here. Okay, Um, this permeates a number of different, you know, world religions in some way, shape, or form. Uh, One may always catch up in the next few rounds, would be the teaching. This fantasy makes a farce of the biblical truth that people die once and face judgment afterward, and that would be Hebrews nine verse twenty-seven. So, occult religiosity studiously avoids the terrible reality of sin. Instead, it chatters cheerfully about wholeness harmony with nature, and unity with the universe. (laughs) This happy balance is putatively to be achieved by members of physical and psychological techniques, not through repentance, without fall, sin, or final judgment. No one needs a Savior, right? Which means you're on your own. You figure it out. Not from beyond, but from within ourselves comes whatever salvation there is as we discover and use our inner powers and mend our neglected links with nature. Okay, Be very careful of that. There are, of course, no means of grace, which is why it's so hard hard for some people to, baptism now saves me? What? But I haven't done anything. Or that baby didn't do anything. Well, yeah, it's God's work. The same God that created the whole heavens and the earth is the same God that does the saving, and then we receive it, okay? We're dead in our sin and trespasses, and sin did our mother conceive us, but the Father of all grace and, you know, and, and comfort has had mercy on us, okay? Uh, thanks be to God for His work. So what counts is not self-denial, but cultivation of healthy biorhythms and the like. This is what really what occultism, idolatry, would teach. Religion is to be sought and found in direct personal experience and emotional fulfillment, right? Uh, this is <laughs> Oprah Winfrey falls into some of this. I hate to tell you, I like Oprah for some things, but you know, and uh, even Joel Olstein. Okay, have your best life now. Get yourself straightened out. You got to beware of some of that. Okay, John Hagee, a, a Baptist televangelist, and uh, oh, this last week. What, what was the guy's name? The commercials are back on TV. He was from the 80s. You can buy holy, healing spring water in a little package, right? And so if you get this little thing, he had a goofy name. What is his name? Beboff or something like that. You pay 20 bucks and, you know, your bank accounts will go up and your prayers will get answered. And, oh, my goodness. I mean, it's just occultism. It just sickens me, Right. Uh, because it's so contrary to Scripture. And these people call themselves Christians and set themselves up as pastors and prophets. Uh, yuck, yuck. Okay? So religion is to be sought and found in direct personal experience um, and emotional fulfillment rather than in cold, authoritative externals like God-given documents and sacraments. And that's what we're accused of. Oh, church is so cold. Okay? Uh, and not temperature wise. There's just no real love. There's there's no joy. There, there's there's of the laughing and crying and the and the wide range of emotions. And that that's often what we liturgical churches you know get get confused get get accused of. Okay, because we we focus on God's word. We sit there and we listen. We become hearers of the word. We observe the sacraments as Christ mandated it. Okay. Uh, which is not designed to be, you know, a rock concert, jumping around, uplifting in joy, might it produce some emotion in you? Sure, it should, but that's not the purpose, okay? Um, so at the end uh, lies no resurrection, so outside of God's Word and sacraments, then there's no resurrection, no last judgment, no ultimate watershed between heaven and hell. Instead, there is a gentle, gradual transition to various other levels or planes of existence. With these higher levels, one may be in touch even now through psychic experiences or spiritist seances. Okay, uh, and don't mess around with that stuff. Don't don't play with it. Uh, the game Ouija uh, is an occult game uh, to call upon basically spirits or dead people to spell out a message to you. Okay, kids and adults, don't mess with that. Scripture warns us against that, okay? Because evil is real. The devil is real, okay? Uh, Okay? Uh, The destructive results of such delusions may be studied in the dreadful 20th century case of Bishop James Pike, who turned to spiritism spiritism as a substitute religion, okay? Okay? We're not sure where Marquardt was was getting at with that. There was just kind of a footnote in his original text before it got put into book form. Uh, Read Acts 17.31 for us. The fact is that God, quote, has set a day when he will judge the world with justice. So that's why we are called to have oil in our lamps, have faith. We keep that faith burning, and we're prepared as the church for the return of the bridegroom. We're prepared for him to enter his wedding chambers. Okay, that's the culmination. This is the feast of victory for our God. And it's a now and a not yet, uh, which makes it difficult for us to understand. Okay, Uh, let's see, top of page 149, and this is from TLH 611. Just read it with me. Then fright shall banish idle mirth, and hungry flames shall ravage earth, as Scripture long has warned us. So the smug 19th century worldview tended to scoff at this whole prospect since it was thought that matter could neither be created nor destroyed. Texts like 2 Peter 3 verse 12 were considered quaintly amusing. Quote, read it with me. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat, end quote. Now after Hiroshima, World War II, the amusement has abated noticeably. Bringing to mind again the question from the previous verse, read it with me. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Good question. What's your idol? What are your idols? Where are you placing your faith and your hope? Are you looking for that joy and peace and comfort here and now? okay, Or is that the treasure that is stored in heaven, kept for you, that will not perish, spoil, or fade? Marquardt continues, nor will physical destruction be the worst of it. When sea and grave shall have given up their dead, read about that from Revelation 20, the King will judge all mankind and will assign each person to one of two destinations eternal life or eternal punishment. You can read about that from Matthew 25. Those who will inherit eternal life solely and alone by faith in the Son of God, John 5, 24, will then rejoice forever in God's own happiness, in the new Jerusalem of the new heaven and the new earth, right? So so there's a new Jerusalem, there's a new heaven, there is a new earth. Now some people, and we refer to them as Zionists, would teach that Christ is going to return to this physical world. He's going to take up residence in the actual place we know is Jerusalem now, and reestablish his reign from there. False. And that's why so much money from uh, Christians has been pumped into uh, the, the the nation we know as Israel still today. Because we've got to maintain a, a foothold uh, with the Jews uh, and and, and then the Christians that are there, because this is where Jesus is going to return. And so we, we've got to maintain that, okay? Um, and that's no different, you know, I'm from Kansas City, as you well know. In Independence, Missouri, um, uh, the Mormons, as part of their migration westward, came through uh, Missouri, okay? Um, and, of course, there, there, there was a split that happened in the Mormon church, okay? There were the followers of Joseph Smith, and then there became the followers of, of Brigham Young. And still today, there are old Mormons and new Mormons. You don't hear much about the old Mormons. It's a much smaller uh, church. The Mormon church that you hear of now is the the new Mormon church, which are followers of Brigham Young. Very very wealthy, very involved. But both of those churches believe that Jesus will return to Independence, Missouri. So when he returns, he'll, he'll, he'll come to Independence, Missouri. So when I was in high school there, our religion teacher took us uh, to visit uh, one of the, the Mormon sites there in Independence, and we weren't allowed to go up it. There was a staircase that went all the way up kind of in the top of the spiral, okay? And there was a staircase with a door. The door, you, you could not go upstairs and go out the door to get to the top, Okay. The door could only be opened from the outside, and we ask the question: Why was that? So it's so that Jesus, when he returns, can open the door and come down the stairs, because they believe that that's where he's going to return. Now, here's the funny part: Okay, across the street, just a few hundred yards away, okay, the other Mormon church recalculated it and figured out that the calculations were wrong. So they built another site. So now you've got two different churches who believe that Jesus will return, but but one of them thinks the other is off by several hundred yards, <laughs> and he's going to return here to Earth, right? Uh, you see, you need to dive into some of that if you've got friends and families that are that are, you know, have been brainwashed by the Mormon Church contact me. I've got some materials. Uh, pastor Brent Kuhlman has done a good job on that. Uh, we've got a number of, uh, as a matter of fact, an LCMS pastor I know who came out of that and wrote some uh, some good stuff about it. And it's, it's just kind of sickening. But the funny thing is that it's so contrary to what Scripture claims, okay? So the Book of Mormon, the revelations to Joseph Smith, now Trump, okay, are more important than what God has said in Holy Scripture. There's new revelation. Same thing with Islam, Okay. Um, so the teachings of Muhammad now, um, you know, while the Old Testament is, you know, people of the book, so to say, uh, teachings of Muhammad trump uh, that. They become more important, okay? Um, so, so just filter through some of this as you decide what you believe and why, okay? And in all that, God's truth still remains what it is. Okay, where am I at here? Let's see. Those who will inherit eternal life solely and alone by faith in the Son of God, John 5.24, right? So those who have faith in Jesus, will there be people from, you know, that, that quote, uh, you know, I mean, Mormons read their Bible. Um, so could there be someone who actually has faith in Jesus from reading their Bible? Yeah, it's possible. Does the church itself as it teaches, is are Mormons Christians? No, not according to their teachings. But, you know, think of the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, who heard the word of God uh, as he read it from Isaiah, and Philip, who God provided to explain it to him, thus the need for for preachers, for teachers, uh, the need for the church, which is what the church is called to do. Okay? Um, if some say too little about this eternal life, others say far too much. That is more than Scripture really teaches. And that's where you got to be careful. The heaven for real does exactly that. It's sinful tripe. Stay away from it. Okay? Okay? Um, you know, when you start looking to people's revelations or they died and they had this experience, you, need, you have Scripture. So I preached about this this morning. I mean, Jesus talks about this in, the, in our gospel text that we had for today, okay? We, we, will, we are to no longer ask God questions about, about God or about these things. What we have, we have in Scripture. What are we to do now when we have physical needs, spiritual needs? Simply ask, the, simply ask request but our answers are found in scripture and what's there there will be no new revelation okay scripture is very clear jesus is very very clear on that okay so if you hear somebody that says i have a i had a vision i had a dream okay don't fall into that nonsense so if some say too little about this eternal life, others say far too much. That is more than Scripture really teaches. The idea of a so-called millennium, that's uh, and not the the uh, uh, Millennium Falcon, right, from Star Wars, okay? The millennium meaning thousand years, so this is from Revelation, that Jesus will return and literally reign on earth for a thousand years, That he's going to descend to Independence, Missouri, is he? or he's going to ascend to Jerusalem, um, you know, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> that's made for a distraction, and many Christians have bought into this, okay? Um, so it's a distraction from the true Christian hope about the last things, eschatology, eschaton, uh, last time, less things, Millennium means 1,000 years, thought to be a literal 1,000-year period before or after the last judgment, during which the church will allegedly rule the world. This notion is falsely based on a vision in Revelation 20 that includes 1,000 years, 1,000, the cubic number, 10 to the third, symbolizing completeness or perfection along with the picturesque expressions that no one takes literally. <laughs> so they take the thousand years literally, but they don't take the key, the chain, and the serpent literally. Okay, You can't have it both ways, folks. Okay, I'm going to let Marquardt speak to this. I have more I could say. There are two basic versions of this millennial belief. According to one, Christ's second coming will occur before the millennium. This is called premillennialism. The other view, termed postmillennialism, holds that Christ will return after the thousand-year period of the church's triumph, right? So Kirk Cameron, um, you remember him. What was the sitcom he was in we grew up with? Growing Pains, yeah. Kirk Cameron's big into all this junk, okay? Uh, he was star of the TV series Left Behind, based on the book series Left Behind. Nonsense, stay away from it. Mark and avoid, I'm telling you that right now. Okay. And so at the beginning of the book series and the movie, you know, there's people driving along, and all of a sudden, poof, no one's driving the car. People are in an airplane, and and all of a sudden, poof, there's no pilots, and only half the people on the plane are there. They've all been raptured, taken up. Everybody else is left behind. Why are they left behind? Well, they gotta fight, they gotta do battle, they got another chance to be believers. And there's gonna be a big war against Satan and the devil, okay? Um, and so, you know, pre-millennialism, okay, would be that, uh, Christ is going to come before that. And some people would say he's going to retain, return secretly, right? He's going to return secretly. Postmillennialism would be, he's going to, he's going to see how well you do. You've got to clean up the world, uh, before he comes back. Okay. This is, this is all, you know, the, the latter view, let me move on because we're almost out of time. Uh, the latter, blah, blah, blah. the other view, termed post-millennialism holds that Christ will return after the thousand-year period of the church's triumph. The latter view is, it seems, in the minority at the moment. This is the optimistic, utopian version of millennialism. It sees Christianity as winning out all over the globe, with the accompaniment of unparalleled social, economic, and political uplift, issuing finally in the golden age. Okay. Uh, Now, this is a problem especially through the 50s, 60s, and 70s, even in American politics. If the Christians can take control, right, uh, the Christian coalition and all this stuff, if, if we can control the government and the legislature and the House, we can usher in now the golden age and be prepared for Christ's return. Nonsense, okay? We pray for good leaders, we pray that they're Christians, but we know that God will use even unbelievers, as He did with 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 uh, uh, you know <laughs> Cyrus and, and others from uh, from Scripture. Um, premillennialism displays more pessimism, believing that things will go from bad to worst until Christ intervenes in person and by force to establish His earthly reign or occupation, with headquarters in Jerusalem <laughs> or Independence, Missouri. <laughs> Now, the Augsburg Confession roundly rejects. So the Augsburg Confession, 1530, uh, our chief and primary confession, uh, as Lutherans, contained in the Book of Concord, rejects all such ideas. That is, quote, read it with me, Jewish opinions to the effect that before the resurrection of the dead, the godly will take possession of the kingdom of the world, the ungodly being suppressed everywhere, end quote. So here we have what has been called amillennialism, or amillennialism, the teaching that no literal thousand-year earthly reign is to be expected either before or after the Lord's return. So are we millennialists? Yes and no. We're a millennialist or amillennialist, which means that we are living in those thousand years now, and the thousand years from Revelation is to be understood figuratively, not realistically. We're living in that time now. So with Scripture, amillennialist or amillennialist, hold that his return will occur suddenly and in the absence of warning. He could return right now before I finish the sentence. Oops, he didn't. But I'm still called to be prepared for when he does. It could be any time. Are you ready? I am. Why, how, why? I'm baptized. He's called me his child. You know, I have faith. Do I have questions, doubts, and fears? Am I still a sinner? You betcha. Okay, but I trust his word. That he's got me. Without further ado, this return will initiate the last judgment. we have got some scripture passages, and I'm going to stop there for today that you can look at. Matthew 24, 30 to 50, 1 Corinthians 15, 52, and 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 53. Okay, next week we'll, uh, oh actually, so real quick before I conclude. So since we have three services on Sunday starting next week, so there's three Sundays in a row, the 24th, the 31st, and June 7th. Services at 815, 930, 1045. Go online and sign up. Um, and if you're watching this, I know you can get online, uh, or you can call the church office and we'll put you on there. Um, and, uh, you know, come to church as you're able. We'll practice social di- distancing. I, I can. <laughs> it's going to be safer. If you're going to the grocery store and other places, Um <laughs> we've got a pretty nice sanitary environment here, okay? I mean, be smart with it, but I mean, if you're truly sheltered in place, staying home completely, okay, I get that. Uh, but if you're able to go out and go other places and do that, why can't you come to church? I'm just simply ans- asking you the question. You can reply to me. You may not like that, um, but, uh, but anyway. So what that means is I will pre-record Bible class sometime during the week. So we will have Bible class those three Sundays. It just won't occur at that 9.30 time because I'll be in the sanctuary with Pastor Grady doing a service, okay? Okay, how many people did I offend today? No questions or comments. Nobody's throwing rotten fruit. I don't hear sirens coming. Good, I still have freedom of speech. Thanks be to God for that, okay? I love you very much. I miss all of you. I can't wait to see you again soon. The Lord be with you and also with you.